we look at like, moms, what are you thinking about yourself? What are you saying out loud about yourself in front of your daughters? Because what you're modeling, your nonverbal communication is what your daughter is picking up on. And you are the closest, most influential role model in her life in that way. And whether or not you're telling her like, you are amazing and beautiful and you're capable of great things. If you're tearing yourself down and you're not thinking those things about yourself, that is what your daughter is picking up on. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. What's the lesson? We are in a different situation today. Jill and I are usually together, but we're staring at one another across the (laughs) Zoom screen. So, Jill, how's everything um, in your neck of the woods? You know, just 20 minutes south of me. You know, just it's a Friday. It is about to be Labor Day weekend. So I kind of feel like my hair's on fire with all the things that, you know, we're about to embark on. We're going to go camping, which is not my thing. But it's not about me. It's about the experience and memories we're going to make with my kids and my family. So on this side of, you know, on this side of the woods, we're doing really well. You're about to be. You're about to be in the woods, considering you're (laughs) about to be in them woods. It's funny because we're both from Colorado and I'm not super, I mean, I like the outdoors. I think it's beautiful and jaw-dropping, gorgeous scenery. And I just don't really love camping either. I've done my fair share and I'd like to take a pass. So I'll be thinking about you as I'm poolside with some champagne this weekend, doing nothing. (laughs) Mayor, how are you doing today? How you feeling, sister? I'm good. I mean, we're ramping up fall programming. We're really getting our podcast in. I feel like we are getting into a system with this and it feels really good, especially the incredible guests we continue to bring on the show in order to really help just our parents, the moms, dads, girls listening to this show. That's all we want is to help. And today is no different. So we're also steering, no exception to the rule at all. So I'm not just staring at one lovely face in Jill. I'm staring at two lovely faces. Um, And if you would love to help me welcome this week's guest, hailing out of Washington, we have a Brianne Smedley on the other end of Zoom. What's going on, Brianne? Hi, Hi, Brianne. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on, girls. I'm doing awesome. Yeah. I'm not going camping. I'm also not going to be poolside. So (laughs) I have none of those things. I'm going to be coaching volleyball this weekend. So, Well, and you just gave our guests just a little insight as to why we are inviting you on the show. Social media, social media, social media, social media, whether you love it, whether you hate it, 
we have chosen to use it for good. Um, and it has brought some incredible people into our lives. And that is exactly how we stumbled upon you and your sister-in-law who own this incredible company called The Elite Competitor. And you are a volleyball coach. You were a teacher. I'll let you tell the audience more about your experience. But before we get into your story, will you let our audience know the two things that you want them to walk away knowing after this episode? Yes. So two things as it relates to specifically athletes and moms of female athletes who I'm talking to right now, I want moms of female athletes to know that they can strengthen their athlete daughter's mental game. And I also want them to know what they can say to their daughters, specifically like before and after games, mm-hmm. that tricky time. I hear a lot of moms um, say like, I don't know when my daughter's struggling or, you know, she doesn't believe in herself and she's beating herself up after mistakes what do I say to her? And so I want to, I want to talk about that and help your listeners walk away with some, some things that they can be doing. I mean, this is going to be juicy. And I also would just call out if you don't have an athlete, if you don't have a female athlete, I'm sure this conversation is going to be equally valuable because as parents, we do. What do you say sometimes when your kiddo is going down the self-doubt, negative talk rabbit hole. And you're like, hey, what do I need to say to them? Because sometimes it's frustrating and you react in frustration when I'm sure there's some tools and strategies that you need to do specifically as a parent before speaking or having a conversation to your kid, your child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I teed you up earlier by saying you and your sister-in-law started this incredible business, but will you take us back a few years? Why volleyball? Why girls? You specifically said moms of female athletes because you specifically work with female athletes. So take us back to before this company existed. Why does this company exist now? What was the road to get here? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, I mean, shortish story is that I was obviously an athlete myself. I grew up playing a lot of sports. Volleyball was kind of my, my chosen avenue, the one I really lit up around. And when I was in high school playing volleyball year round, I got pretty good. And by the time I was like a senior in high school, you know, it was kind of this pressure of like, Ooh, where's Brie going to play? She was going to play in college, obviously. Right. And I just you know, I probably couldn't articulate it then. I can see it very clearly now. And now that I've worked with thousands of athletes, I just felt like it was too much. And I actually quit. I quit playing volleyball my Mm. senior year of high school, right after that senior season, because I was like, I'm burned out. It's kind of what I told people. I was like, I just want to go to college and, and be a student. And, you know, I like disappointed my, what I felt like I disappointed my parents, my coaches. They were like, oh my gosh, it's a waste of talent you know, she's really not going to go and like do anything with us. And I was like, nope, I'm just gonna, just gonna go. And that was my choice. And I ended up actually, as fate would have it, going to a college that had a phenomenal volleyball team. Like they went to the national championship my freshman year. I went to every single match and I was like, oh my gosh, I miss it so much. Like I, I loved volleyball. I wasn't burned out, you know, side note, I was, I didn't know how to handle pressure. I felt like I was letting the team down every time I made a mistake. You know, I had all these things that like normal things that every athlete deals with. I didn't know how to handle. And so I was like, I just miss it so much. I wonder if there's any way that I could play with this team. So I actually reached out to the coach and was like, hey, kind of told her my story. And she offered me a tryout. 
I was like, what? So yeah, wow. it was kind of unheard of like in college. So they came back from the national championship. I played with their team for a practice. And then a couple of days later, she called me in her office and was like, how do you think you did? I'm like, I don't know. I like, how do you think I did? It doesn't matter how I think I did. <laughs> and she was like, we, you know, we were really impressed. Team really loves you. And we want to offer you a walk-on spot on our team. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And walk-on is, you know, no scholarship. I'm just, I'm there playing with the team. I had a very like insignificant role in the actual game. Like I didn't play very much, but I was just so happy to be there. And it was in that program that I really got to kind of reignite, not just my love for the game, but, you know, I was able to learn skills on how to handle pressure because this coach highly prioritized the mental side of the game. Like she was very, I wouldn't say maybe ahead of her. I mean, this was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And so I would say she's a little ahead of her time. She had a sports psychologist come in and I just kind of started to learn all these skills. I'm like, wow, these are normal things that all athletes deal with. And there's actually things I can do to help me manage pressure and nerves and these thoughts. By the time I was a senior, I was a full ride scholarship athlete, a starter. And yeah, I went out on top. It was so great. And cool. Um, what a Cinderella story. I know. I know. Really. Yeah. So, and that just really ignited my love, you know, for coaching also. I got right into coaching. And as soon as I started coaching though, I was like, oh, geez, these girls, like they are me <laughs> and I can teach them how to pass that hit serve. Like, but if they don't believe in themselves and they don't know how to, you know, perform under pressure, they're never going to get to where they want to be. And so I went down a whole rabbit trail of learning sports psychology. I got certified as a elite performance coach. And then my sister-in-law and I, who she's also a former collegiate athlete, founded our business working with female athletes and also their moms, because we know how important the mom's role is in an athlete's confidence. So that is where we are today. We've been in business together for four years and it's just absolutely amazing. That's incredible. What age range do you predominantly work with in your business? Yeah, great question. So we work typically 12 to 18 year olds. We have a, you know, both on either ends of that spectrum, especially the younger, like we work with as low as I think eight, eight years old is the youngest that we've had come through our program, but 12 to 18, especially like the middle school, we're starting to learn more like the middle school transitioning to high school is really like, we have a very large group, you know, in that age range. And I think it is because that transition is happening and their confidence is kind of being tested. And so, yeah, I think it's amazing. And why Mary and I love doing what we do is because we needed who we are for the girls that we serve when we were their age. So it's really cool to also hear how your story came to fruition because that's what you needed. You didn't have, per se, the language to say, I'm so stressed out and I don't know how to navigate my feelings. I'm unfortunately allowing my feelings to dictate this choice. And bravo for you to put yourself back in the arena, like figuratively and literally. Even more than that, bravo to you for taking the non-beaten path. You stood up against adversity in terms of feeling like you were letting people down. I think that's something we would love to change so much. We understand potential. We understand talent. But if you came to your parents and your coaches and said, I'm done, and they looked at you and said, what a waste of talent, that's not setting you up for success. That's where you come in and say, hey, I don't necessarily understand this decision. Is there something that I can help with that you don't feel like you're being supported with? Because I'll support whatever decision that you make. But I think maybe we can look at it from a different perspective and help you feel more supported and still play rather than telling you that what you were doing was wrong. Because 
you were already feeling like you were disappointing people for, like you said, making mistakes on the court, or if you weren't able to show up mentally fully that day, you were letting other people down. So for you to really wear your heart on your sleeve and say, this is my senior year. I've played collegiate sports as well. And I remember my senior year being like the year because we were seniors and it was, you know, just the connotations around it. I can only imagine how hard it was to hang up your volleyball shoes. I would say my cleats because I played softball. <laughs> your that would vo- be a, yeah, what do you, no, your volleyball your, sneakers. Your, your pads, <laughs> your knee pads. I can only imagine how difficult of a decision that was for you to make than to get told by so many different people that it was a mistake. So kudos to you for not only standing in your truth and your power at such a young, impressionable age, but like Jill said, getting back into the arena because you missed it. And that like yeah. communication piece takes balls for one. Balls. The, you massive. Like, yeah. like volleyballs. It takes volleyballs. Um, <laughs> you go to the coach and you're like, hi, I'm a freshman here at this school and I decide like a tryout. That's awesome because what we don't realize at such a young age is that communication is key. And if you don't ASK, you don't GET. So you modeled that beautifully and it panned out for you. Yeah, well, and adversity. It's like a lot of people don't give themselves a second chance because they think, well, I mean, it it didn't work out the first time. Why try again? And adversity is such a beautiful concept that more kids need to understand. You have to fail at life in order to learn and grow and be successful. And that could have totally taken you down a different path, but there was a fire in your belly that allowed you to say, hey, psst, you can go be a spectator, but I think, honey, you're better at playing on the court, like being the one. So that was a beautiful story to say, this is why I do what I do, because you have the street cred to relate to girls on such a different level because you're like, I was you. I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I look back and I'm like, man, what came over me in that moment of like confidence and bravery? Yeah. I was like, I don't even know if I could do that now. <laughs> I know I could, but I was like, wow, back then I was, all right. So I'm glad I did that. Fearless. Or ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is totally bliss, right? It's like, what could go wrong? You maybe didn't even think about those possibilities because the love of the sport was right in front of you. So one of the points you said you wanted to talk about was the fact that moms can help strengthen their daughter's mental game. And this by no means is a dig at your parents, but do you feel like they were great at helping you strengthen what was going on between your ears? Yeah. So that's a great question. I have talked with my parents, specifically my mom, lots of times, obviously when I went into (laughs) this line of work, you know, a lot of questions came up for my mom. She's like, well, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Like I believed in you so much. And like, I could see your talent. I could see your potential, which is what I hear from moms all the time now, but I didn't know how to get you to believe in yourself. And so she did all of the things that a good sports mom would do. Like she came to all my games. She provided me opportunities to play on teams that I wanted to play on. You know, she was there, she was supportive. But when we think about how many coaches our kids get in their careers, like my daughter's four and she's already had like five coaches in different sports and things like that. You know, when we get to like the elite level, it's like they've had, you know, dozens and dozens of coaches, but how many coaches do moms get in this whole sports journey? None, right? They don't know, like, 
They're secondary. They get those many coaches, but not primarily. Do you want to know who's coaching the moms? The other sports moms. It's like moms that they rally together, bless their hearts, and sometimes it can definitely hinder <laughs> hinder them in probably what they're seeking. So, yeah, that's a really good call. It I never, I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. My parents were great, but they were like, we didn't know what to do, so we were like, okay, well, whatever you need to do. <laughs> I guess she's not right. going to play anymore. Yeah. Did you feel alone? Like, did you feel like your like other teammates were going through similar experiences or did you ever catch wind of other parents talking to their daughters after the game? Or did you feel like isolated on an island because it wasn't created to share how you were feeling or what you were experiencing? I'm just curious if you felt like you weren't alone or if you were kind of on an island of like, is anybody else going through this? Yeah, I totally felt alone. Well, also because I was pretty talented. I was one of the better players on the team at the time. I felt like the whole weight of the world was on my shoulders and Mm -hmm. I could not crack. Like I couldn't show that I was like struggling with any of these things or that like, I felt like the whole team depended on me, which was not actually true. That's what I thought. And I believed every thought that came into my head. So I did. I felt like it was the only one that had like pregame anxiety. And I felt like it was the only one that felt like they let everyone down when they made a mistake and it wasn't talked about, which is why when I work with teams now and with my own personal team, we have them share it. Like, what do you struggle with? And it's like, they all say the same things. They're like, I feel yeah. insecure. I doubt myself. Like, I don't know how to come back from mistakes. I get really nervous. I'm worried about letting my mom down. And so, yeah, I totally felt alone. And then my mom and dad, like, didn't really know about the sport. So that was kind of a, a good thing because they didn't really know, like, how to cr- critique me. And we actually advise parents not to critique their athletes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would hear other moms and dads, like, coaching and yelling things from the sideline and, like, you know, after the game, rehashing, like all the things that they did wrong. And I was like, oh, that's just like, <laughs> that person judging her, <laughs> definitely judging me. And yeah, so. A question on the other side of that. I want to take this on the other side of the spectrum because you are a varsity volleyball head coach now. How does it make you feel listening to parents? Because I know as much as things change, they stay the same. I am not blind to the fact that parents are still quipping from the sidelines saying, do this, do that. How does that make you feel as a head coach? Because you obviously coach girls outside of that. Do you ask your parents the same thing to not coach their girls from the sideline as their head coach? I do. Yeah. And many of them by now have caught on to kind of what I do. And so they're like following me on Instagram and like (laughs) all the tips. And I'm like, okay, no, that's great. Like you're picking up on things. But we actually just had our parent meeting last week and I talked about that. Luckily it was like just the parents that were there. So you need to be so aware of what you're saying in front of your athlete. First of all, like during games, when you're coaching them, now she has to decide do I listen to you or do I listen to my coach? And now you're putting her just in a really tough position. And then the same thing goes, I know this is a little bit of a different tangent, but it's something that we teach our parents too, is just to be very aware of what they're saying about other athletes in front of their athlete and the coaches in front of their athlete. And I'm like, that doesn't mean you don't have to have opinions. And like, you absolutely can. You can talk to your partner about all those things, but when you are saying those things in front of your daughter, now you're putting your daughter just in this like really awkward and tough situation where now they're thinking things about their teammates that they might not have thought before, like negative things. You're now kind of straining that coach athlete relationship when you're venting about your daughter's coach in front of her. And so I'm, I'm very blunt about, you know, the role that people play in their athlete daughter's experience, like coach 
athlete, parent, ref, like everyone has a role. And when you start to go into other people's roles, that's when it starts Mm. to make it really hard for the athlete. Mm, Absolutely. That's such a great call out. Yeah, it is. And I love how moms can support their daughters in the mental side of the game. It's like, know your role. And I think before you know your role, you need to be self-aware of what your role is. Is there anything that you would add on to that first point around moms or parents? Like they really can be a part of their daughter's success mentally. Well, and I think this goes into our second point around what to say, how to say it, yeah. how to support, what not to say, because obviously we all know that nonverbal communication is just as powerful as verbal communication. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. We say, you know, like I said, there are those four roles, like the athlete, the parent, the coach, the ref, and the parent's role is already chosen for them. All of our roles are already chosen. If you're actually the coach of your daughter's team, that's a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah, but we still want them to be separate. And so the role of the parent, we break it down to two main things. You shape the environment and you provide the opportunities. And so we tell and teach moms that you shape the environment through your verbal communication, like what you say to your daughter before, during, and after games, kind of what we were talking about, how you support her before she goes out and plays when she's like nervous and wants to do well. And what you say afterwards, you know, that car ride home is so important. And then the nonverbal communication, like you said, not just facial expressions, body language when they make mistakes, but also what are you, we get a little deep here in our programs, or that's why it's a little different in a good way, but we look at like moms, what are you thinking about yourself? What are you saying out loud about yourself in front of your daughters? Because what you're modeling, your nonverbal communication is what your daughter is picking up on. And you are the closest, most influential role model in her life in that way. And whether or not you're telling her like you are amazing and beautiful and you're capable of great things. If you're tearing yourself down and you're not thinking those things about yourself, that is what your daughter is picking up on. So that's the, the shape the environment and then provide the opportunities. You know, parents are usually pretty good at providing opportunities in the physical form, right? Like the teams, the practices, the gear, all of that, but also providing opportunities for your daughter to develop these mental skills as well. Like she has to know, you can't do it for her. Like you can do, you can say all the right things, but ultimately she also needs to know how to, you know, shift her negative thinking and she needs to have skills to come back from mistakes. You're not going to be on the court with her knowing what she's thinking and like there to to help her after a mistake. Like she also has to have those skills too. So that's where we can break it down. I love it. I think of me being a mom and I'm also a coach. So I have to walk a fine line, especially with my husband, (laughs) as much as I want to, you know, he, man, he can get on my last nerve and I want to coach him up, but I'm like, I'm not his coach. I'm his wife. That's my role. I'm also the mother of his children. So I have to be mindful of how I approach certain conversations and then If there is advice or I'm like, do you want my advice, you know, or, or go and find it from someone else that isn't me because that's not my role. Same with me being a mom to my kids. It's like, as much as I want to boost them up and teach them all the things and coach them up, I also know that I need other people to support me in developing the character of these little boys. So I love that you called that out because We as parents cannot be everything to our children. We cannot. So investing in your child's 
mental, emotional, like physical being is the best gift that you could possibly give them. And I stand behind that because what Mary and I offer families and parents to the girls is unlike anything that mom can replicate, which I think that's okay. It is. I love your call out about mom self-talk too, because we work with moms and moms and more moms and moms who are like, all I do is tell my daughter how beautiful she is and how capable and smart and incredible. Why doesn't she believe in herself? And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's go up the chain of command a little bit here. If you are talking negatively about yourself, she's listening to you do that. So why would she believe you when you tell her these things? Because she's listening to what you're telling yourself. So she's really getting her confidence and her self-awareness and her self-esteem directly from the factory that produced it, right? And if you're saying all of these things to yourself, there's no way she's going to believe the lies, what she thinks are lies coming out of your mouth. That's why that sets the precedence for her to build her self-esteem and her confidence. And she's not going to build it out of a house of cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's so important. Have you guys seen that that Dove commercial where they interview like the moms and the daughters? It's so good. I yeah, know. It's, it's so good. If you don't know what we're talking about, audience listening, there's this beautiful Dove commercial. I think it's drawing, right? Like, or it's somebody asking moms how they look and feel about themselves. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of their answers are a little bit in more of a negative connotation. Like, oh, I've got this bat wing here and my wrinkles around my eyes are terrible. And I'm carrying about 15 pounds too many around my midsection. And then they turn the question separately without moms there on the daughters. And the daughters are like, my mom's beautiful. I love her. And she's the best. And then they show these answers to the moms. And it's it's just such a stark contrast of Mm -hmm. how time really beats us down. We begin to become our own worst critic. Whereas when we start out as kids, yes, Mm -hmm. we're impressionable. And we're certainly picking up on all these verbal and nonverbal communications, but it doesn't set in for a little while. We can still be childish and say things like, I want to be a ballerina and this is the best thing ever. You're so beautiful. And it's like, they're not seeing things through rose colored glasses of failure and comparison and not enoughness. And it's a beautiful commercial. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I've seen that. There's another one too, where they interviewed moms and daughters, same thing. But they asked the moms, what do you love about yourself? And what do you not love about yourself? So the moms, you know, similarly they were like, I hate my nose. I don't like my, my bat wings and, and all this. And then they asked the daughters who are a little older, like eight to 12, maybe mm-hmm. what they love about their bodies and what they don't love about their bodies. And they said the exact same thing. Oh, oh whoa. I know. Yeah. yeah. And so the moms were like, oh my gosh, I never say anything about my daughter's arms or legs. Yeah. But the daughters were like, I just don't really like how my nose is like crooked or like, I don't really like my arms. And the moms were like, oh, that's what I said myself. And the daughters were like picking up on it. Well, and it's just oblivion. It's total oblivion. It's oblivious to what you're saying. It's about yourself because it's so ingrained in you. You wouldn't think anything of it until you hear the mini version of you saying the same thing where it's like shot to the heart but you're not too late, right? Like if a parent, say freshman and sophomore year of high school has a hard time with the car ride home and digs, digs, digs and says, you do this better, you do this better, this was your mistake. Could they turn it around junior and senior year and rescue that relationship? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the best thing is to like acknowledge, you know, 
like, Hey, the way I was doing things before was not helpful to you. And, you know, I'm learning a new way and, you know, I really want to be supportive to you. So like, that's honestly like the best thing is that you're modeling that you can learn and change and grow. And so, yes. I love that. Take us in like a mom minivan. You're in the front seat as the athlete. I'm the mom driving and we're in the car after said game. What does it sound like? What does it sound like? And maybe we're not in the car yet. What what should it what should it sound like when your daughter's about to go and play her sport? And then what should it sound like post game being in this practice of self-awareness and I'm like trying to think of a word like is it self-awareness parenting or I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a a term to call it, but it doesn't have to be a term. What does it sound like pre and post game for parents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We teach moms a framework on how they approach their daughters in the four parts of their game. So we say there's four main parts. The ongoing training phase is like when they're practicing, it's like their day to day pre-competition is what you're talking about, like in the minivan on the way there during competition, she's playing post-competition minivan on the way home or whatever you do. And so the framework (laughs) that we use for moms to keep in mind as they're interacting with their daughters in all these situations is love. It's an acronym. And so love stands for L is let her lead. O is open the space. V is validate feelings. And then E is encourage inward. And so it kind of looks different during each phase, but pre-competition, we actually teach moms to have their own pre-competition routine like their daughters do. Something that is like short, something that they can say or do with their athletes. It's like short and to the point, and it's focused on what is in their athlete's control. And so that would be like their attitude, their effort, you know, their ability to be a good teammate. And so we want to avoid things like reminding them of, you know, what they did last time to, to stop doing that, reminding them of their competition. Like they already know if it's a, a big game or not, right. Um, adding the mom's own stress onto the daughter. And so yeah, we teach them specific like pre-competition routine, post-competition, like to keep, keep athletes like, in the zone and feeling good post-competition. Like I said before, it's like one of the most fragile times for athletes because a lot of athletes are equating what they did out there on the court of the field with their worth. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, how I can feel about myself and how my mom or dad views me is attached to what I just did out there. Like if I played really well or not. So we just need to first be aware of that. And then following kind of the love framework the let her lead would be like, you know, let your daughter kind of set the pace and set the tone. And that's really hard for some moms, you know, like just kind of let her like come to you if she wants to talk. The open the space is we encourage moms and dads to have like a routine after games. Like if that is let's go get food, let's just drive around in silence, put on your favorite song, like Opening the space means like creating a really non-threatening environment for your daughter, win or lose, played really well, played really bad. It's just the same, you know, like we're going to get food every single time. And that's opening that, that really safe, supportive space, validating emotions. Like your daughter might be saying things like I'm the worst one on the team, or I played so bad. And a lot of moms make a mistake by being like, no, you're not. Or like, remember all the good things you did. And that can actually be really harmful because Now we're not like validating our child's experience and confidence comes from trusting ourselves. And so if athletes are like, no, I actually feel like that. And then moms are like, no, 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 you don't feel like that. Like, let's not feel that. Now we're teaching our athletes to not trust what they're feeling. And now they're questioning, like, I don't know what I am feeling right now. So validating the feelings, even if it is like, oh, you feel like you let the team down. Like, tell me more about that. You know, like just Mm -hmm. kind of pulling the thread and then the E encourage inward. 
and this is, you know, played well or did not play well, bring that lens back into, you know, what did you do that you were proud of? Like what was in your control rather than like, okay, yeah, you scored, you scored 500 points or like, that's not probably possible in any game. I don't know what that would be. That score. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's called space jam. Space jam. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever game you're playing, you scored 500 points. Yeah. No, <laughs> you scored like a game high instead of just like focusing on that, be like, Oh, you know what? I knew you were working so hard these past couple of weeks to put you in a position to do that. You know, you should be so proud of yourself, you know, just encouraging that that part of the athlete that's in their control rather than just, you know, focusing on the outcomes. So that's kind of how we teach moms to, to navigate those really important times. I mean, you taught me a whole new acronym for the love song because I thought you were going to come out and say like, you know, L L is for the way you let me lead. Yeah. Yes. So that, that okay, that's incredible. Yeah. You know what? I should come up with a music video for that. Thanks for the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you're you're really good that. at reels. So oh yeah. Real. That's great. You absolutely should because <laughs> that acronym in and of itself, there's so much value in what you just said. Mm-hmm. Those four mm-hmm. letters, that's an incredible way to look at it because mm-hmm. obviously we teach that too. But when you are considering what an athlete is and how you react or respond to your athlete and how you want to coach them up or talk to them after a game, it's like, most people don't think that parents should have a pre and a post game routine, things that they need to do to keep themselves in check, encourage mm-hmm. your kids. I mean, we talk a ton about that. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you want to tell your kid they're smart and they're brilliant and you're so proud of them for all the A's they got. However, mm-hmm. you don't want their worth to be wrapped up in the A's they got. You want their worth right. to be wrapped up in the characteristics that they honed in on to get those A's. I feel like it's that much more important within a sport when we're niching down to something that is so on the girl's hearts. It's like, I am an athlete. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you are, and you're a human being before you're an athlete. So how do we make sure to recognize those qualities as well? So they don't get lost when, and if they decide not to play anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I also had like a, whoa, when you said the V in it's validate, validate their feelings. Because when you don't validate feelings and you also are trying to like love them, love on them when they're having a hard time or whatever that is, that's the moment I feel like in the word love where girls shut down and they won't talk to you ever again. It's like, not only is it a like validate their feelings, but then it turns into vault. Like, uh, no more, no more. You coming at me saying I'm wonderful and great. I don't feel like that right now. So I'm not going to express myself moving forward because I don't like how it makes me feel when you tell me I'm rainbows and sunshine and love. So I think that is such a powerful letter in the word because, man, that's where you get to like really have breakthrough moments with your athlete around having them come back or feel like they have a safe space within, you know, their role as mom or dad or whomever. But that V, when you said that, I was like, man, as much as you're doing your best by like cheering on your kiddo, that could also be detrimental in them coming back to you to actually express how they're feeling versus like, we don't want them to suppress. We don't want them to bottle up everything and then pretend to go and be great. And then that's what's rising inside of them. They need an outlet to get it out so that they can continue to move through 
whatever the feelings that they're experiencing. Yeah. And what's kind of funny is, well, funny because a mom shared this week in our group, the mom and athlete are going through the program and the athlete was, you know, had a bad game. And she was talking to her mom after like all athletes do. And we teach in the, in the program, another like little, little nugget. That's really great is just asking, you know, do you want me to listen right now? Or do you want me to provide my perspective? And just like as a, as a phrase, and that's just a common one. And the athlete was venting about it. And I guess the mom was like kind of giving her advice or being like, no, what about this and that? And I guess the, the athlete stopped her mom and said, mom, aren't you supposed to ask me if you want me just to talk or if you want, if I want your opinion. And so mom was sharing the story and she was like, it was so great. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, you're right. I am. Do you want me to just listen or do you want my opinion? And the athlete was like, I just want you to listen. And she just asked <laughs> and she's like, and I feel so much better afterwards. And so awesome. it works. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's empowering the girl to use her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And set Where... boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And the mom was very receptive to it too. So that was love that. Love that. Because we're all learning. The kiddo is learning. The mom is learning. Like if we can remind each other that no one has it perfectly, the mom, the athlete, like when we can like really be like, oh my gosh, Thanks for calling that out. I totally spaced out that I was giving you unsolicited advice. (laughs) Whoops. You know, thanks for doing that. And remind me again if I do it in the future. But I think like showing when moms get to model the right way, but we need to be taught. So I just love what you're doing. I love it so much that you're supporting the moms and you're also pairing it to support the athletes and together, I'm sure you've probably had testimonials or moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. They're doing it. Better dinner conversations, better car ride home, you know. So you keep referencing these programs that you have for athletes, for moms, for moms and daughters. Will you tell our audience where they can find a little bit more about what you offer or what exactly it is that you offer to support? Yeah. The best way to kind of get a taster of what we do is with our free training for sports moms, the short training all around how to strengthen your athlete daughter's mental game without being pushy or saying the wrong thing. And that's trainhergame.com. And so in that training, we go over this love framework that I just talked about, like things that you can be doing to say before, during, and after how you can really help your daughter strengthen her game or her mental game. And in that training, we also talk about our program, which is the elite competitor program. And that's just our signature 10 week mental training program for female athletes. And then that's also where the moms get support. So they can go through at any pace, but moms and athletes go through at the same time. Athletes are learning their mental skills. Moms are learning how to support them. And it's really cool to kind of see them, you know, as they're working through it together and and seeing all that come together is just really fun. I mean, this was packed with so much goodness. Oh my Thank gosh. You. Loaded Thank you. with yeah. value. Thank Loaded. You for, for what you do and taking your experience, what could have been painful for you and turning it into a purpose for, like you said, thousands of other girls who need the community. They need the support. They need the tools. And that's not a knock against parents. We only know what we know, right? There's There's no shame in not being able to be what Jill said earlier, everything for your daughter. This is where you get to allow other people to come in and support and make sure your daughter is literally the best, brightest, and most confident version of herself, not only as a human being, but as an athlete as well. And what you're doing is is incredible. You're an incredible resource for not only Jill and I, but for our community as well. So 
Thank you for taking the time out of what I know is a busy schedule for you and spending, you know, a good, some good quality time with us. Yeah. Well, thank you. You both are such an inspiration too. Thank you. All right, you guys. Well, that's it. That's it for today's episode. And we will catch you next time on What's the Lesson. Bye, everyone. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.